Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, all of you beautiful people. Jules here for WhatCulture.com. And I have to start this video by saying something pretty shocking, all right? Wrestling, as we know it today, some of it is actually scripted. I know, it is a big thing to get your head around, but trust me, I'm right there with you. I am reeling from this body blow. But the only reason that I know this is because there's this thing called writers, right? And they've left the company, they've left the WWE, and they've told us that they were writing some of the promos and stuff that were going on. And I was like, oh, I feel like an idiot now. Well, at least I found some cool secrets, though, which I'm going to share with you today. Because I'm Jules, this is WhatCulture.com, and these are 10 behind-the-scenes secrets revealed by former WWE writers. Number 10. A Donald Trump trick infuriated Vince McMahon. Now, it goes without saying that Vince McMahon and Donald Trump are a lot alike, but what absolutely deserved airing was this quality anecdote from their current MLW chief court bower about the time the chairman privately raged about the pomposity and arrogance of his fellow oligarch. Now, speaking to Chris Jericho about the former president and the man Le Champion thrice donated thousands of dollars to, Bauer said, Donald Trump was there doing the angle with Vince, and it was cold because it was the lead up to WrestleMania. Donald has this big winter jacket, and he's like six foot four or something like that. So they're doing a promo, and Vince and him are going face to face as the Battle of the Billionaires thing goes down. Afterwards, we're in the limo, and Vince is just livid. They get along great, but there's this kind of kindred spirit thing with them and everything. He felt like Donald had intentionally shown him up, and he's like, "Did you see that? He was wearing that jacket. Clearly, his shoulder pads were stuffed to make him look bigger than me. It's ridiculous." And he was really hot about Trump. Trying to look bigger than him. The story of enormous wealth, tiny egos, and Vince McMahon being against the artificial inflation of a physique. This has got the lot. Number nine, Freddie Prince Jr.'s moment of clarity. Whenever he'd be anywhere near WWE, Freddie Prince Jr. always came across as a guy as enamored with the show as he was with himself. This lack of overtly synthetic energy is surely rooted in the role he took up for the company on two separate occasions, because it was during that second stint that he realized there couldn't, for now, at least be a third. As he put it to Chris Van. There was a show called Tough Enough. They tried to bring it back and Stone Cold was a judge. There was a mum who wanted to be a wrestler and she was doing it for her kids. Steve Austin said, that's bullshit. Do you know how many times I won Father of the Year? He put a big goose egg up. I was watching that show in the writer's room and I stood up, walked to Gorilla and I gave Vince my two weeks. I said, I'm trying to win Father of the Year. I can't work here anymore. He said, talk to me after the show. I talked to Stephanie after the show. I let her know. She said, we were about to give you Smackdown. You were going to be our head writer. She was disappointed and I was like, you know what? I love you guys, but I'm a dad. I'm out. That was it. I quit, and I never looked back. Better the devil you know than the one you don't. And Prince Jr. had obviously looked into the eyes of the McMahon family long enough to know work-life hell when he saw it. Number 8. Did Vince McMahon create Russo v. Cornette? The Attitude Era was responsible for producing some of wrestling's most iconic feuds ever. But was Vince McMahon directly responsible for an ugly war of words that has now gone on for decades? As one of the men embroiled in it, former head writer Vince Russo might believe so. 
at least based on what McMahon attempted to stir up between The New Yorker and the likes of Bruce Pritchard and Jim Ross. As he wrote in an article for Us back in the day, Russo stated, Even though it was done with non-malice, Vince just loves stirring the shit up with those in his inner circle. He did it for years between me and Bruce Pritchard, and especially between me and JR. You know the game, say something to me, then say something to them, back to me, yada yada yada. It did indeed drive wedges between all of us. No serious gaps, mind you, but enough to just give you a sense of mistrust. Vince was just great at playing that game. With no obvious motivation to fib about such a thing, this all feels pretty legit. McMahon's obsessed with the idea of competition, even if it means drumming it up internally for his own theatrical gains. Number 7. Triple H Wasn't Ready Bruce Pritchard's podcast chats with Conrad Thompson have somewhat understandably tapered off in quality over the last few years. Pritchard's remarkable return to the right hand of Vince McMahon has resulted in the former brother love perhaps being a little more careful with his tales, and that's if he's even got a moment to himself to sit down and chat about them. More's the pity, though, because there were some fascinating insights that snuck out at the time, including this gem about Triple H's 1999 ascent. I don't think that Steve and Slash or a lot of the agents at the time felt that Hunter was ready for the championship yet, but that wasn't a Steve call, that was a Vince call, and that was a lot of the agents. When they heard that, they felt he'd be ready someday. He's just not ready right now. Not with Steve. SummerSlam's main event that year saw Steve Austin lose to Mankind so he could drop the WWE Championship to the cerebral assassin the next day. It's long been felt that this was exclusively a rattlesnake call, but Pritchard's tidbit reveals a side of McMahon that wasn't quite ready to play the game either. Number 6. Vince McMahon pushed for Eddie's in hell Nobody welcomed WWE's exploitation of Eddie Guerrero's sad passing in 2005, seemingly with the exception of one person. The problem was, however, that person held all the power. As Court Bauer put in an interview with Wrestling Inc., Vince McMahon definitely. No one was on board, but Vince kept pushing for it, and he just kept on doing it week after week. Basically, he made it legit in his mind by saying that Eddie was up there right now laughing because he loved things like that. He'd be totally on board for stuff like this. How can you say that? It's one of those things that I disagreed on and everyone in the room disagreed on. He wouldn't even go for more subtle. So there was nothing we could do, and it was a terrible feeling, and it was one of the first flags that went up that let me know I needed to consider other opportunities. Now, Bauer wasn't alone. SmackDown's ratings continued to slide after this event, and many considered that story in horrific taste, choosing to simply not bother with the grabby and sensationalistic show in the aftermath. Number 5. No eating unless you're a McMahon One of these several little quirks that started leaking out in the era of exasperated writers having alarmingly short stints with the WWE, this torturous experience emerged when ex-writer Dominic Cotter spilled the beans about his time under Vince McMahon's thumb. Talking through the wretched working day, he casually noted that Vince would always eat in front of us during these meetings. He had some sort of beef wrap with ketchup. The meetings usually ran the entire day without food. There's been countless tales of McMahon's insane work ethic and how he expects the same of his staff, but at least the chairman's impossible engine is fueled by eating when he wants to. What's the point in keeping to mealtimes when you've got the gym at 1am and are in bed at 2 and are back up at 3? These are not the actions of a normal human being regardless of the company's public attempts to normalise it. But then it could be argued that neither is becoming a writer for the WWE. Number 4. No Days Off The constant, never-f***ing-ending work cycle that no single person should do or realistically ever be expected to keep. As writer, as WWE staffer and fabled Big Dick Johnson star, Krista Joseph put in his interview with Wrestling Inc., then you'd work the entire time on Vince's plane, which was horrible. You'd go to a meeting, you'd go through the show, there's changes, there's rewrites, and you produce the show, then you get in a car and go to the next town, get on an airplane and start it all 
all over again. The schedule, that was extremely difficult. Being on the road 49 to 52 weeks a year takes a toll on you. Politically, it's challenging for a lot of people. And it's all about how you carry yourself and getting people to like you. It's like a fraternity and you have to be accepted into the family and that is very difficult for some people. It sounds completely unworkable and that's because it pretty much is. Not that Vince McMahon would allow such talk or any talk that wasn't exactly what he wanted to hear. Number three, micromanaged to death. Telling us much of what we already know about Raw simply by sitting down to watch the f***ing thing every week, ex-WWE writer Kevin Marshall was extremely upfront about the fatalistic nature of Vince McMahon's ridiculous editorial process. Speaking to Wrestling Observer Live, he said, basically everything is micromanaged to death and I know that there is a lot of talk of they over there when we talk about the writing process for the show. It's no secret that the buck stops with Vince. When I was there, he was micromanaging everything to death. Basically, you're sitting there trying to write for him and you're trying to figure out what he wants. The job became very quickly trying to figure out what Vince is thinking and then having him tell you that he's changed his mind. So that when we talk about the show being rewritten as it's happening, what I need people to know is that the show was likely written well in advance and that there was an attempt at it, but either nothing was approved or everything got scrapped and was rewritten by the man himself. I'll tell you what, it definitely feels like it from the show's dramatic dip in quality, particularly over the years where stories like these have been more prevalent, right? Number two, supermarks. Confirming what many had suspected for years about WWE's resentment towards anybody that might have once upon a time enjoyed something that they'd made, as former WWE writer Dr. Rajan Shabir explained the mindset and revealed a brutal term that he was saddled with during his time on the staff. Revealing all to Power Slam magazine, he noted that, Stephanie told me that a WWE writer didn't need to know about other types of wrestling to be successful. She said, if I let wrestlers know I had that sort of knowledge, I would come across as some sort of supermark and never be able to earn their respect. I felt like it was impossible to be respected. They hated you if you didn't know wrestling and they looked down on you if you were a fan. Consider this carefully as something of an unspoken common policy, especially in light of the extremely awkward story that broke in 2021 regarding now former WWE writer Kenise Mobley. Because number one, the Kenise Mobley cautionary tale. Kenise Mobley was, until June 2021, a WWE writer hired not because she was a wrestling fan, but because she was a writer. This is a policy that had been in place for at least as long as the prior entry, lest anybody be referred to as a supermark. But there's a slightly more nuanced debate to be had about Mobley's release, following her noting on a podcast that she was neither a big fan nor particularly that informed about the product before getting the job. Speaking on the Asian Not Asian podcast, they did not require me to know anything about wrestling, but I do have a background in film production and comedy writing. And they were like, perfect, come on in. So I'm on the Monday Night Raw team. So there's Monday Night Raw and Friday Night Smackdown. And the people I know that are on it are Bobby. His name is either Bobby Ashley or Bobby Lashley. And I should really know that. He's like this giant black guy and he and the other people are part of his crew. I know that they call, or at least as of last year, they call themselves the Hurt Business. The Hurt Business, they wear suits and they're like, we're cool. That was her description of her job at the time. This caused a storm amongst furious social media zealots, but none of them thought to target and any impotent bile at the WWE instead. Mobley, evidently talented and credible in her work, simply followed an application process and got the job. She lost that job seemingly for speaking about it at all, let alone revealing the company's indifference to product knowledge. This might have revealed some major flaws in the process, but it was foolish to pretend that they hadn't been in place for absolutely decades. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.